Hello everyone. When we understand life in the spirit, we discover the amazing changes that begin to take place. However, we don't always recognize how much our lives are changing. Actually, every day progress is being made. Retaking a two-hour walk in light drizzle. They never bothered putting up an umbrella, but after the walk, they were totally saturated. When we realize we have a new identity as children of God, step by step, we move out of fear and insecurity into a place of growing confidence. God is our Father, and we are His adopted children. The process of change is taking place in us all. Have a great day. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Great. So keep your Bibles open, notepads out there ready. Let's continue to swim in God's word this morning together. And it's my absolute pleasure and joy to invite uh, Emily, who's going to come and preach this morning. Emily has got a... A great teaching gift. So let's welcome Emily as she comes forward this morning. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> it's been a while, so uh, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad. <laughs> wow, hecklers as well in the corner. Um, yeah, as Stuart's pretty well um, outlined just there, we're continuing the Life in the Spirit series. And um, we're looking at Romans 8.15. Now, I've got the ESV version here, so I'm just going to read that again for you. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Um, shall I just pray first? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that your word is truth. Thank you that it's something we can build our lives upon. Thank you that it never wavers, that it never contradicts itself, and that it brings freedom to us. Thank you that it brings hope. Thank you that it helps us to understand who you are and apply it to our lives. And I pray this morning that what's said, good, bad, and the kind of mumblings and things that I might say and the truth that I'll speak from your word, Jesus, that um, you would speak into hearts, that it would cut through like that sword, Jesus, and that it would correct things that need to be corrected, that it would bring hope, it would bring life, it would bring encouragement, comfort to all of those who need it, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Cool. Um, So, um, I've learned a lot, actually. Um, I don't feel like the stage of my life, if for many of you who know me now in the kind of baby stage, have really used my brain that much. So actually, it's been nice over the like, week, last week or so to actually engage that again. And I've been learning about um, the context of what we're reading today. I just think it's helpful to start with a bit of a background um, into what we're reading, the life, the culture at the time, and all that sort of thing. So for Paul, who was writing this, the salvation and the life in the spirit that he experienced was something he couldn't really put into words. It's something exciting. It's something that he communicates as an exciting thing. And he does so using loads of different metaphors to explain this freedom, explain this salvation that we have. And um, as you've probably already guessed, one of those things is the idea of adoption. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Now, the Greek term for it is something that I can't pronounce, but it literally means to place as a son. It's only mentioned five times in the New Testament, but it basically, kind of as you would imagine, is interpreted as the place and condition of a son given to one to whom it does not naturally belong. It also means the child is to be treated and cared for as your own child, um, including complete rights of inheritance. 
And Paul used this metaphor of of adoption uh, to describe a change of status from an existence marked by slavery, fatherlessness, fatherlessness, no identity, into uh, a new family or community characterized by freedom and spirit. Using this term adoption, and I was kind of unpacking it today, I think is one of God's ways of letting the church know that he chose you, that he chose you as his children and brought you into his family, and you can't be taken from it. Um, and I kind of, I wrote this and I took it out, but I'm just going to say it anyway. I wanted to do like a mic drop moment because that's pretty much it. I could just leave it there and sit down, and I'm sure you'd feel encouraged, knowing that you are part of God's family. Nothing can take you from it. You are saved if you've made that decision to follow Jesus. Jesus, and you've got eternity with him. Isn't that good? (laughs) Um, And then again, so a bit more context, going back in time to ancient Rome, adoption had a powerful meaning, and I mean, it completely does now, I believe that wholeheartedly, but then when a child was born biologically, the parents had the option of disowning the child for a a variety of reasons. Um, Their relationship, in a sense, was conditional. There could have been a few things they may have done that would have resulted in the parents then not having anything to do with that child anymore but not if a child was adopted. Um, In Rome, adopting a child meant the child was freely chosen by those parents. They were desired by those parents. And a child would be a permanent part of that family, um, and they couldn't then disown them at all. So in a sense, it's kind of more of a commitment than just getting what you're given. Don't hear me wrong, but, you know, there's a difference there. So an adopted child received a new identity. Any prior commitments, responsibilities, way of life, status, and all of that was gone. It was like our debt in Jesus just erased and wiped clean. And they had new responsibilities. In ancient Rome as well, this concept of inheritance wasn't just something that started at death. It was something that happened the moment that change happened. So being adopted made someone an heir to their father joint sharers in all his possessions, so from the kind of present day, and then fully united to them. The new identity a child received is, could be, in some instances, a complete 180 degree, complete flip turn of their previous life. A slave, for example, I was chatting to Lucy, and many of you know she's amazing with history, was saying that a slave could be adopted into a family of higher status. And then, again, that massive change would happen where they couldn't be disowned. They were then part of that family and had a new identity. And I think, to some, this may have not seemed fair for someone to just get a new status, get all these new things, new inheritance, amazing blessings. Um, but this is a, a kind of beautiful parallel, I think, of what Jesus does for us, in that he rescues us, like Jared said earlier, from the miry clay, that he brings us out of whatever we find ourselves in. And it is a complete role reversal sometimes, which is awesome. So um, the way I'm going to structure this, and you'll see it on the screen, is um, by looking at four things, time-dependent, on uh, who we once were and who we are now. So going kind of with the um, slave to son and daughter idea, this contrast of who we once were and who we now are in the spirit of adoption, in the Holy Spirit, in Jesus, in our relationship with God. So the first one is, a sla- and I'm going to use this phrase slave mentality to kind of refer to this lack of identity or being a slave or being enslaved and not having freedom. And I think the first thing is that this slave mentality can draw us into a poverty mindset. I think that will come up as well. Um, A poverty mindset. 
People who don't know their identity in Christ can perceive at times that their their resources are just too limited. Um, They maybe don't have enough time, you don't have enough treasure, you don't have enough talent, money, uh, gifting, hair, (laughs) whatever it could be, anything, um, you don't have enough of it. And this poverty mindset, I think, regardless of whether or not it changes, um, you just kind of stay the same. You could be handed as much money in the world and still consider yourself poor. Um, And the random image I had, this often happens, is of, um, you know, hamsters when they kind of store up food and they get these really fat cheeks. It's kind of like that. It's this hoarding, thinking, ah, I just, I can't give anything away. I'm going to keep it all to myself. I'm going to shovel it in and not uh, be free with it because I'm basically living in fear and I'm scared that it's going to be taken away like me when I'm eating Um, (laughs) and in uh, Luke's gospel we see an example of this we know the story of Zacchaeus uh, who this rich tax collector when he met Jesus instantly kind of changed his mindset and he um then approached Jesus and was kind of quick to say, I'm going to give everything away. I've changed my way of living. Um, and that's what we want to be. That's, we want to meet Jesus and then change our mindset from a poverty mindset. But there was this rich young ruler in the Bible as well who missed this message. We can sometimes be like this. Um, and he held on to his wealth. When he was challenged and told that he may have to give it away, it says that he was saddened. So he was kind of, oh, great, you know, that disappointment. Really, am I going to have to give this away? And he hardened himself to this message. I think there are times when we can get so easily caught up in a poverty mindset, holding every penny, and it might not just be physical pennies, it could be our time, it could be our talents, in this poverty mindset because we're afraid. If we consider ourselves slaves to worldly things, we'll operate in a um, place of lack, in a place of scarcity, like the hamsters will be hoarding everything and holding on to what we have. But this isn't the mindset that God has. And so this is where we come to who we are now. This is who we are now. We are children of God. We're in a kingdom of abundance and can trust God, as it says, as we often pray, to give us our daily bread. Being adopted into God's family, this spirit of adoption in Romans, means that we have a relationship with God who is abundant, in everything in abundance and unlimited resources. Many of you know, you know, there'll be things that perhaps I've had in my um, family kind of years back Money just turn up on the doorstep when we didn't have any, or whatever it might have been, someone giving time where we didn't feel we have any. And that's because God doesn't have limited resources. Um, I've had to make some life decisions recently and uh, was, was kind of struggling with this mindset, really, because of fear. Um, I think it's so easy to do, isn't it, because we can look at the circumstances around us. But I had a really good conversation with a friend who basically reminded me of this thing. And she said, um, God wouldn't bring you to make a decision out of fear. That's just not how he operates. He wouldn't be sat there kind of with abundance, with everything that we need, but saying, oh, you know, yeah, you should be a little bit afraid that you won't have enough time for that. Or you should be a little bit afraid that that might not work out. That's not his mentality at all. He is the God of immeasurably more. But the question is, how do we actually live like this? How do we do this when it's hard, when our brains kick in and we start to question it? In Ephesians 3.20, it says, according to the power at work within us. And this is the kind of whole message, really, of the Holy Spirit series. This revelation can only come from a work of the Holy Spirit. Even the birds, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about um, the birds not worrying about where their foods are going to come from. They know they'll be taken care of. In the same way, a revelation of God as a good father will give us that same sense of security. That opposes the slave mentality. It opposes holding on to everything, worrying about where everything will come from. 
Maybe you're finding yourself in that this morning. Uh, maybe you are stuck, you know, in a bit of a poverty mindset. Maybe it's time, talents, money, anything else, and you're just focusing too much on that, um, kind of worrying about what that involves. And my prayer is that God will reveal himself to you as a God of abundance. He'll show you that he has more than enough for you. Through the Holy Spirit, you can know this God of abundance who will take care of you. Okay, so we're going to move on to the second point, and I'm parched. So just uh, turn to someone and say something that you have not learned, then I feel really like a teacher. Uh, Say hi, I'll say abundance, I'll say something relating to what you just heard, and I'll just have a drink. I think this is mine. Maybe I've just shared spit with Jonas. That would be awful. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> Second point. Um, so, moving on from poverty mentality. Uh, sometimes this slave mentality may affect our ability to connect to God, to ourselves, and to others. And I think Joe was touching on quite a lot of this uh, the other week when she was speaking about connection. A slave mentality can lead us to becoming self-protective, overly critical, and disconnecting from others because maybe we feel unsafe or insecure. This kind of thinking can lead us to punish others, and I can relate to this, I've done this in the past, or withhold affection because maybe we feel threatened. This could manifest itself in anxiety, insecurity, stress, focus on status and what we have, and we see this in the life of Saul. Now, he had the honor of being uh, Israel's first king, but he let this go, he let this honor go and kind of messed it up in areas because he didn't trust God. He, it was his jealousy of David that drove him to madness and ultimately a thirst for revenge. And that side of, you know, that human emotion just gripped him, really. Even though he was chosen by God, his slave mentality meant he was gripped by jealousy, frustration, and didn't then rely on him. I'm sure he could have connected with others. I'm sure he could have maintained trust in people that would have helped him, but instead he retreated and became frustrated. And I'm sure you've had similar situations in your life. Um, Maybe you've seen someone who you think is going through a bit of a tough time and they're puffing themselves up, kind of portraying themselves as, you know, really hardened. They're strong. They've got it covered. Nothing's going to break this hard exterior. Maybe there have been times when you've done it. And this can be a coping mechanism. I'm sure we've all been there uh, when we feel insecure or vulnerable. But this spirit of adoption that we're called into is for you to open your heart up to God and to other people, trusting God to look after and protect you. God wants you to depend on him. When we know our worth in God and we choose to trust him, this brings security. It's leaning onto someone. You know when you do this kind of trust falls and you fall in, you're caught, you're secure and you're safe. And that's how it is with Jesus. Okay, so that's who we could be, that's how we could be caught up. That's who we once were. But this is who we are. We are connected. We're created to live in communion with God and his people. We've been bought with a price. We've been saved, we've been restored, we've been healed, we've been given identity, we've been given purpose, we're loved, we've got eternal salvation. You could, we could all kind of answer something or give something to show the, the effects of the salvation we have. We've been offered ultimate freedom and security. We've been freely offered adoption into God's family. We've been made co-heirs with Jesus. And all of that is, I mean, yeah, you can't quite wrap your head around it. That is a new identity and a half, isn't it? That's, that's a complete reversal from who we once were. 
Uh, There's quite a long quote here, but I think Danny Silk, the guy who wrote this, puts it really eloquently. He says, human beings are very different from one another, and our differences can trigger anxiety. The only way to lower anxiety and work through our differences is to put connection first. The heart of love says, I will pursue connection. Sorry, it's up there, very small. Um, I'll pursue connection with you, even when we disagree. This is how God loves us. He isn't afraid of the things in our lives that don't reflect him. He doesn't run when our humanity rears its ugly head. He is committed to us and pursues us relentlessly. Loving others unconditionally means that we value our connection more than our need to be right. We see people through God's eyes and allow them to be themselves. We may not agree with their viewpoints or opinions, but we aren't afraid of them and we don't disconnect over them. When we are willing to do whatever it takes to protect our connection, love wins. This is how the world will know we are his if we love one another. And that's in John 13. God's heart for you, for us as a church, for us as a church, part of other churches in this town, is to live in the knowledge and safety of our identity in him. It brings freedom, but ultimately it does bring this idea of connection. We're able to pursue healthy relationships with each other. We're responsible, as it says, I think it's the message version that says we're uh, to bring the God colors out in the world. And it starts with a revelation of who he is. Maybe you just need a little reminder of that this morning, that God pursues you relentlessly, never ending. He will not give up. He will not run out. His energy won't fall. When we sometimes go at a mission for so long and then just feel a bit tired, he will never do that. He'll never falter. This is the way the church shows the world his spirit is really transformational by engaging with that idea of connection. So if walking, walking into the spirit of adoption means we live in a kingdom of abundance and we are created to live in communion with God and his people. Moving on, a slave mentality, this is who we once were, this is who we used to be, is one that focuses on circumstances and situations rather than the promises of God. It looks like a narrow-minded, worldly perspective. I think someone, you know, that tunnel vision, head down, focusing on themselves, and it sometimes is, you know, it's easily swayed, easily falters. I'm sure it's easy to see what this looks like. The world is often screaming at us to look in every single direction but God. Thankfully, we're not alone in this slave mentality at times. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, Moses sent men to spy out the land in Canaan, and 10 of them came back and gave a bad report of this land. They were afraid. They knew that God's promise was over them, but what they saw was too intimidating, and they came back and thought, nah, we're going to say it's rubbish. We're going to say this is something we can't do. In verse 28, it says, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. In other words, they're kind of looking at the circumstances in front of them. And uh, despite being on this mission with God, with God's promise behind them, they let intimidation and fear overwhelm them. They were reliant on their own feelings as opposed to the promise of God. It's easy, isn't it, though, when like, they went on this journey, they saw a physical space, they saw people in the flesh that they thought were too strong, land that you know, perhaps didn't look good enough. And it, we can do that, can't we? We can look at the practical things in front of us and just think, in the natural, it looks too much. Even cleaning. <laughs> I'm looking at the floor and I'm thinking, I don't think I've got enough time to get everything hoovered in this room. It is naturally not going to happen. But the beauty of adoption, the beauty of this uh, spirit that we get to connect with is that, um, I've lost it. 
and I've lost my page. God doesn't retract his promise. <laughs> we think God retracts his promise, but he doesn't. I'm going to move on. This is the good news. The good news is the spirit of adoption brings security and promise. As a child of God, we are free from slavery. We can trust that we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And this is an incredible foundation to build our lives on. The other two men that were sent by Moses were Joshua and Caleb. Now, they had a different response to this situation. Their outlook was so opposite because they were secure in God and in his promise. Even though in the natural they saw the same barriers in front of them, they knew God would help them fulfill his promise, so their perspective didn't waver. The verse we're looking at today, Romans 8.15, I'll just read the message version for you. I think it's beautiful. The resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? I love this image. Um, I was told a story recently of someone who was looking after their grandchild and uh, they would, the, the little child would walk up, up the stairs, don't know whether you've had this before, and then every now and again just go, catch, and just fall back. <laughs> um, they obviously have security, don't they, in their guardian. They have security that they're not going to be left, otherwise they wouldn't jump and kind of hurtle themselves off the stairs. This is the level of trust that I want to have in God's promises. I want to be like the two. I want to be like Joshua and Caleb who didn't waver when they saw the natural, when they saw the circumstances and thought that they couldn't do it. I think God reminds us, He use, well Paul uses this um, idea of adoption so we can boldly pursue the call of God because it's not like we just have any level of trust. We can have complete trust in him. He won't let us down no matter what the circumstances look like. The Bible says, and I think a few people have mentioned this either today or I think it was during prayer actually before the service that we draw confidently to the throne of grace, that we can approach him with confidence. We don't have to have shame. We don't have to have fear that his promises might waver. And perhaps that's what you need this morning. Maybe you need um, just to be told that what's in front of you isn't impossible for God. That because of of the spirit of adoption that's got you in his hand, that you can view it as an adventure like it says in the message. The view in the natural can look completely impossible, but God has promised victory. Moving on to the next point. So we've been through who we once were, who we once are. I'm going to do this one final time. When we're not secure in our sonship, we can find ourselves in a legalistic, dutiful slave mentality. This often looks like striving. It looks like legalism, working hard to to get approval from God, Or maybe even other people trying to get affirmation from those around us. Maybe we turn to possessions, food, money, anything else to feel some sense of fulfillment. Now I think at our church we're pretty good at this, aren't we? We often um, are led by um, this chat that that kind of opposes legalism. That's not who we are. We're not duty-bound Christians. We're people who serve God gladly rather than dutifully. The story of Aaron um, or Aaron in the, go- in the golden calf, this is in Exodus 32 if you want to keep a note for reference and you can read through. Um, but it's a good example of this slave mentality. So in order um, to please the people who were waiting for Moses to come down the mountain, um, Aaron, is it Aaron or Aaron? 
Aaron, I'll just say Aaron. Um, he takes all the people's gold and he's like, come on, come on, it's okay. Because, you know, they're getting frustrated waiting. Takes the gold and melts it down and then makes this golden calf, which they end up then building an altar around. Uh, and Aaron knows, Aaron knows the promises, but he goes against his convictions for the sake of approval. Because people are getting frustrated, because people are doubting, he then just appeases them, basically, and decides to build this golden calf. It is a destructive cycle to get caught up in, um, but I think that's why the Bible talks about sin that easily entangles us. It's easy sometimes to get caught in that, isn't it? And we just turn and within a moment we can look back at our lives or our week that we've just had and realize that we got so caught up in things we really didn't mean to get caught up in. But this is, this is why we're here, isn't it? To get a reminder of grace that's free for you. Maybe you do feel like you've been caught up in this cycle of doing day in, day out, every Sunday or every Tuesday morning prayer or whatever it might be. And though those things aren't wrong, maybe you're serving out of duty rather than gladness. And that's kind of what I want to challenge. As Stuart was saying in this intro, there is a massive change that happens and it does take time. It takes steps. But the heart that God has for us is to serve him in gladness. So this is kind of looking then at who we are now. We are loved and accepted. We're not called to be bound by duty, bound by legalism and religious spirit. Paul reminds us of this salvation so we can work from the foundation. We are already loved and accepted in Christ Jesus. That's the foundation and everything else we do can be built from that. We don't have to struggle anymore. We don't have to strive for approval of God or people. Of course it's hard. It is hard, isn't it? When you just, you know, daily life happens. But the identity we've been given is sealed. It's lasting. It won't change. In Romans 8, uh, the passage, this is sort of near, in verses 12 to 17, I think it is, um, it's titled, Heirs, in my Bible anyway, with Christ. This is, when you're an heir, it's set, isn't it? It's lasting. It doesn't change. This is how we are with Jesus. In Ephesians 1.13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. It sounds like a pretty permanent thing to me. Um, it reminded me of um, family traditions, this idea of kind of being sealed, uh, things that we can use to show who we belong to. I looked up the concept of signet rings because I'd seen a couple of people recently wearing them. Um, Forgive or forget the kind of Masonic link that could be there. Um, I do think there's some really interesting history that I found that was kind of more interesting. Um, A signet ring, I didn't realize, was actually um, as reliable as a signature. Uh, Particularly, you know, when men at that time would have been illiterate, they used the signet ring as a seal, as their own signature. Um, the majority of men use this as their writing instrument and, as you can imagine, then would sign important documents using it. In the same way, I hope I get the link across here, <laughs> I was thinking that they have something they can use to seal their identity, to seal kind of, they would know when they look at that document it's been signed by a certain person because they didn't have the tools to do it any other way. If we feel we have nothing to give... We may be lacking in so many different things. We have the seal of the adoption of God. Have I made that link clear? (laughs) Um, That we have, when we have nothing else, maybe view it metaphorically as that seal that you've got, that ring, the mark of identity, the son or daughtership in Jesus, that you have nothing else to give, that's what you can use. That's what you have. That's who you're sealed with, with Christ Jesus. Love it. (laughs) 
When we're secure and safe in our adoption, we can work from the foundation we are already loved and accepted because of the work of the cross. We have nothing to prove. We don't need to chase the approval of God or others. And it's with all these things, really, who we once were but who we can now be that I want to give some time to reflect on. We need the Spirit, the life in the Spirit, every day, in day out, day in, day out, the most ordinary and the most supernatural, extraordinary situations of our life so that we don't live as we once were. I'm going to end with another quote from Danny Silk who puts it this way. The spirit of fear wants us to think like orphans, to feel insignificant, powerless, and alone in the face of problems, and to react by focusing on ourselves. Whenever we start acting like this, it's a sign we have forgotten who we truly are as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Those who have access to unlimited resources of love, courage, wisdom, with which to face any circumstance. When we're operating in our identity through the spirit of adoption, we will align our choices with love and its goal of connection. Fear drives us away from people. Love drives us towards people. As long as we're aligning ourselves with the spirit of uh, fear, we'll be pursuing the goal of fear, which is distance and disconnection. We'll end up, (coughs) excuse me, We'll end up caught in the endless cycles of injustice, offense, and punishment that cause so much chaos and pain to us and to others. Love drives us towards people. I want to pray for people, give an opportunity for people to be prayed for, um, who feel they may be caught in that slave mentality in one of those ways. I want to pray the spirit of adoption will be close to you. You'll know this idea that you have security in him. So I'm just going to remind you of who you are now because of Jesus. As a child of God, you can know blessings in abundance and can trust God to give you your daily bread. You're created to live in communion with God and his people. The spirit of adoption brings security and promise in a personal way. And you don't have to strive or um, struggle for approval because you are loved and accepted in Christ Jesus. If we can have um, some background music, I think we're going to go into a song that is pretty apt for... Is that okay, the one? I did communicate on this, didn't I? Yeah. Um, (laughs) A song that is uh, pretty apt for what we're talking about, no longer slaves. That we have an identity in Jesus. That we're children of God. That there is a big, big change that can happen when we know and have a relationship with Jesus. That we are adopted and brought into his family. Do you want to just stand with me? So we're going to sing in a moment. And maybe there's just one little thing that may have resonated with you. Um, I don't want to. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want to have an agenda with this bit. But I am praying that God will speak because this is life-changing, isn't it? This breathes life into us. This breathes hope into us. This gives us a sense of security that I believe we couldn't get anywhere else. So Jesus, I do believe that because we've looked at your word, that it will be um, bringing to life things in our spirits. And at the same time, knocking things down that may have been spoken over us. Maybe it's just the issue of identity as a whole, people have walked in feeling like they, you know, if they were to have a signet ring from their family, well, it, it would basically be invisible because they don't really know that sense of security. I 
pray that Jesus would draw near to you this morning, that you would know above everything else, regardless of everything else, that you are his. That you can count on Jesus. That if you were to walk up the stairs and fall back down, that he would catch you. Thank you that um, that wise phrase that Stuart brought, that it's progress over time. That I'm stood here learning it too. Thank you for the truth that you bring for us, Jesus. Thank you that you're a God of abundance. As we're thinking of things, maybe if that was something that we could relate to, things in our lives that we don't feel we have enough, I pray that God, supernaturally, you'd show us the light, that you would show us those gaps, show us that you're a God of abundance, show us there's still room, there's still space for you to move in it. As we sing this, just let God, just maybe just echo a simple prayer. God, would you, you know, bring that truth to life for me in whatever, whatever has resonated with you this morning. And I believe as we do, as we echo out that we're children of God, we're going to be strengthened as a church, strengthened individually. So let's sing this together.